I think that's the only announcement that I have today, but I'm really, really excited. We have a, an awesome um, story today of our 52 stories. One of our youth just got back from a missions trip, and he's going to share kind of some of the things that impacted it. So I'm going to invite Dylan up. Would you guys give him a huge round of applause? So my name's Dylan Lang, and this is my story. Uh, I've been going to this church since it was uh, founded. Uh, I was two, and my mom started bringing me. Uh, I've been through all the kids' programming here, and, and as well as uh, VBS at uh, Zion and uh, Awana Community Bible Church. Uh, I'm the product of my parents' decision to follow Jesus and the church's dedication to sharing the love of God. Uh, I chose at five years old that I would be baptized. Uh, my choice, my parents actually warned me against it since they wasn't sure I was ready. Uh, over the years, I've been learning to serve by packing meals that feed my starving children uh, and going on one-day missions trip to, city, or to Milwaukee with City on a Hill. City on a Hill is a nonprofit organization dedicated to working to restore hope, reduce poverty, and strengthen families. Uh, recently, I joined Northridge Church Marshfield for a week-long missions trip with City on a Hill called Urban Plunge, where we would learn and reflect while serving in Milwaukee's inner city. Over half the group was age, youth ages 15 to 17. We did a poverty simulator, or an uh, adopt block, where we would just walk around a neighborhood, hand out household necessities, and offer prayer. Uh, we did Super Saturday, where neighborhood kids would come to City on a Hill, and we played games, did face painting, had puppet shows with object lessons, and a quick gospel message. I could feel what it truly meant to have joy while serving. Uh, on our first day in Milwaukee, we went to a field trip to the America Black Holocaust Museum, where we learned about America's history with racial conflict and civil rights. While in the museum, pe people were saying someone shot a gun pretty close to where we were. Uh, and we didn't do anything at first, but the workers at the museum put us in the back storage room where they explained a little bit more. Uh, they said there was a car accident, and the person hit, got out of the car, and shot at the person who hit him. Uh, uh, we stayed in the back for a long time, just waiting for it to de-escalate. And uh, we headed back to City on a Hill where we had a debrief. Uh, some of the people in my group uh, shared that they were very scared through it all. Uh, in my reflection, I felt God's presence in the situation and was in a place of peace. Uh, being only 15, I know I have a lot of life yet to live, and I'm excited to see how God will show up along the way. Uh, there's a Bible verse that we made on a banner for the Super Saturday. Uh, it's Philippians 3.14. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God and Jesus Christ. And it's just, it's a powerful meaning, uh, especially for a lot of people in sports. It's like, you pr always go forward, and you always stand, and you always press on no matter how hard it is. Uh, and that's just what it means to me. Uh, this is the year of 52 stories, and Jesus is a hero of mine. I love it. 
there's so many things to take away from that. But as I said before, one of the things that I would encourage anyone to do, find someone young who's on fire for Jesus and hang around with them. It, it changes your life. And um, just the idea that at 15, understanding that even in really difficult situations, God's presence is there and you can have peace, kind of like we talked about. That's so powerful. So that's, that's awesome. Thank you, Dylan. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into the message for this morning. Lord, I pray that these are your words this morning. I pray that, that I'm accurate to who you are, that, that we learn and we grow this morning. Um, even if it's a little uncomfortable, Lord, that you help us to be transformed to who you are. And uh, we pray this in your name. Amen. All right, I'm going to take this off of here. Is that good with you guys? I'm going to sit it over here. So we're going to continue on in Colossians, and we're, we're actually peeking into chapter 4 today. So we're in the last chapter of Colossians. And so I know it's been long, but hang in there, because here's where things are going to start to come together now. There's been a few topics and concepts that we've been talking about that Paul is going to start to bring together right now. And so as a recap from last week, last week we talked about how Paul kind of dives into the family dynamic of, of that we all have a role in, in the family system and how for a lot of us, understanding that God has a design for things is, is difficult because sometimes you don't really like your place in that design. You don't like the assignment that you have been given, whether it's in your family, whether it's at church, whether it's in society or your workplace, we all tend to want to be somewhere else in God's design and have a different assignment than we currently have. And we just got challenged that no matter where you're at, no matter where you are in that design, you can honor God there. We looked at the story of Joseph, how even in slavery, even in prison, he honored God with the assignment that he was given. And so we're going to continue on. We're going to start in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. And then it's a little weird because we're actually going to grab the first verse of chapter 4 because it actually goes with that. So this is where it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. So Paul is now bringing a lot of the concepts we've been talking about together. Remember one of the first weeks that came here, we talked about wherever you are, bring your heart with you. You guys remember that? Bring your heart with you where you are. Paul refers back to this. And we're also going to talk about kind of what we talked about last week, this idea of honoring God with where you are. Anything? All right. It must be a good message if the enemy's trying to, trying to silence my microphone. So you guys can hear me? We're good? Awesome, awesome. All right. So let's get some practical advice on this because this is what I love about Paul is he doesn't just tell you what to do. 
he, he gives you some practical advice on here's how you take some steps towards this. Because it's easy for me to just say, hey, when you work, work with all your heart. And hey, when, when you have an assignment, honor God with how you do it. But what are some steps to really being able to walk in that and walk through that? So here's the first thing we can take away is number one, know who you are working for. And I know that sounds basic, but it says in Colossians, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And so we got to talk about this idea because you've probably noticed in the past few verses that we looked at, even the past few weeks, it talks about slaves. And for us, kind of in the culture we grew up with, when you think of a slave, what you think of is, is like a military operation that goes to another country, another people, beats them and takes those people for slaves. And in, in Rome, in the time that Paul is writing this, there was some of that. Rome did have military conquests that, that defeated other people and took them as slaves. But that actually wasn't where most of the slaves came from. This idea of, of slavery in the Roman culture was very different than what we understand slavery as. Because what happened was, in, in this time period, if you took out debt and you couldn't pay it back, there was no bankruptcy. There was no garnishing of wages. You basically became the slave of the person who you owed money to. That's how it works. So if you, if you borrowed money and you couldn't pay it back, your only option was to sell yourself into slavery. Now, for some people, it was only a small amount of time. It was like, okay, the debt wasn't terrible. It's like maybe one or two years. But when, when Paul is talking to, to slaves, it's not just that kind of situation that we're used to. It's just people who got themselves into debt and are stuck, and they're trying to work off their debt. And so it's easy for us when we look at, oh, I can't connect to that. I've never found myself in that situation. It's really just being at a place where you have someone over you. You have someone who calls the shots, and you have to kind of work for them. Most of us have bosses. Most of us have people over us, and it's this idea of someone being over you. And I think, and this is just a side note, so this is just a free part of my message. I, I wondered for a while why forgiveness in our culture doesn't seem to be as amazing as you'd think it would be. This idea that you have, you have sin and you could never pay it back and yet somehow God forgave you. It's pretty easy to be like, oh, sure. And I wonder if it's because in our culture it is like if you get yourself into a ton of debt and you can't pay it back, there's options. But in the time that, that the, the Bible was written, you can understand the true desperation of owing debt that you can't pay back. It means that you're going to lose your, your freedom, you're going to become a slave. So this idea, when Jesus tells these parables of someone being forgiven a debt that they couldn't pay back, you, you understand the impact that that would have of you're truly going from, I'm going to become a slave to I am free. And that is what makes forgiveness so amazing. And I think that, that it's easy for us to separate ourselves from that a little bit. But that's off topic, so I apologize. Let's get back on the point. So you have to know who you're working for. Even though it's going to feel like in this life, 
you are working for earthly masters. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you feel like you're working for earthly masters, right? You're working, I got a man, I got to, I got to, Pay this, I gotta, I gotta work that, I gotta make my boss happy. It's easy to feel that, to feel like, man, I'm just working for other people. But what you have to understand is if you are a Christian, that is not who you are working for. That's not why you're getting up in the morning. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. He says almost the exact same thing. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God of God. It's this idea that as a Christian, you can choose to do everything for God. That's a choice you can make to say, I understand that maybe my boss is telling me to do this, and I understand that maybe I don't like my boss very much, but I also understand that I have the ability to say, but you know what? I'm not doing this for my boss. I'm doing this for God, and and it makes us do things a little bit different. I shared with you a couple weeks ago that I hate dishes. So let's, let's use that, right? Imagine that you're working and there's a boss you don't like. And, and he, he's not a great person. And he lies and he slacks off and he tells you to do stuff that he should be doing. And he doesn't recognize what you're doing. And he goes, hey, I want you to do the dishes. I don't know if you have dishes at work, but let's imagine you do. How, how, how are you going to do those dishes? If you're like me, you're going to do them real bad. You're going to grumble, and there's going to be stuff left on them, and you're not going to care. Now, imagine if Jesus literally came up to you and was like, my child, I love you. Would you do the dishes for me? Would you do them differently? I know I would. Those things would be sparkling clean, and I would be having a blast. I'm like, I'm doing this for Jesus. And I know that sounds cheesy, But that's really what Paul is talking about, is you can choose to do everything that you do as if Jesus was the one that asked you to do it, because you're ultimately honoring him with how you do it. And this is one of those things that can help you have peace, because a lot of times you'll be asked in this life to do stuff you don't want to do, right? Anybody else? You get asked to do stuff, you're like, I don't want to do that. That's, I don't see the point in that. That's, that's dumb, Someone else should do that. But to understand, I get to actually honor my Savior in how I do this. And this is kind of that, that step one, that until, until you really grasp who you're working for, you're not going to be able to honor God with your life because you're going to always have that attitude of working for earthly masters. And the Bible's clear. As long as you're doing it for people, you're going to struggle. Have you guys noticed that? Because it even said last week we looked at it when he was talking about slaves, he was like, work hard because it honors me. And don't just do it when, when your boss is watching so that you can garner that favor. Don't do it for your boss because your boss is ultimately going to let you down. Your boss is not going to reward you like I will. And that's the second thing. You have to know who you're working for but you have to know your reward. This is what we read in Colossians. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. You have to know. It uses the word know. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord. You can't say maybe, maybe God will reward me. 
You have to know this at your core. But you also have to know who the reward is coming from. And this is why it's so important to not just work hard when your boss is watching. Because your boss isn't actually the one that's giving you the reward. In fact, Jesus, when he was on earth, I don't have the scripture in here, but he basically said, like, look, even when you do good things, don't try to do good things so that people notice, so that they can say, oh, what a great Christian, because then you've received your reward. And if you really want me to give you a reward, make it so that no one even knows what you're doing, because you can't get a reward from people on earth and from God in heaven at the same time. It's kind of a choice. So that's where he said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, because then I will give you a reward. And basically what was happening is the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they were fasting. So they were, they were going without eating, which is a hard thing to do, but it was some, something that, that Jesus kind of commanded and was, was in even the Old Testament. But what they would do is if you're fasting, it's hard to get credit for that, right? So they would go out of their way to, like, mess up their hair and look really disheveled and, and walk around really feeling sorry for themselves to try to bait people into saying what's wrong. Because then as soon as someone's like, what's wrong? You're like, oh, I've been fasting. I haven't eaten in five days. And then they can say, wow, what a great Christian you are. What a great follower of Jesus. So that they can garner that reputation. And that's where Jesus was like, no. When you fast, don't, don't even let anyone know you're doing it. Because you have to know why you're doing it. Know that you're doing it for me and not for people. Because that's always a hard balance. Where you have to go, I'm doing this good thing, but am I doing it for God or am I doing it just because I get some praise when I do it? And that's, you have to be really careful about that because human masters are going to let you down. I'm going to give you some bad news. They are. Your earthly bosses, even if you're the best worker, they're not going to always be fair. And they're going to basically say, yeah, I know you're working hard, but I'm going to give this promotion to somebody else instead. Those of you who have been around for a while know that that's the case. And so if you're looking to people for your reward, not only are you kind of giving up that heavenly reward, but people are going to let you down. And you're going to get really, really jaded and bitter really fast. And that's where I know I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I will let you down. I hope I don't. I'm going to try not to, but give me enough time, and I'm human. I'm going to let you down. And so don't look even to me for your rewards, because I will let you down. I'm not God. And this is what's so beautiful about knowing who you're working for, but also knowing who is rewarding you. So if you work hard and nobody notices, it's actually a good thing, because that means that, that God is really the one who's going to reward you for that. That's what Jesus says when he was here on earth. And the beautiful thing about knowing that God is the one who's going to reward you for how you work, how you live your life, is that in order for God to reward you for what you're doing, that means that he's, he sees everything. He's always watching. And that is a beautiful thing to know. This is Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. It says, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. So what's exciting about this is when you are doing that work that nobody sees, 
you know, when you're doing the hard work that you don't get any credit for, that no one appreciates, God sees that. That's what the Bible says. He's watching. He understands the work that you're putting in. He understands what you sacrifice for his kingdom. And when you work to honor him, nothing goes unnoticed. And isn't that a great thing to know, that if you're working for God, nothing that you ever do will go unnoticed. Nothing that you ever do will be wasted, and, well, no one even cares that I did that. That's not possible if you're working for the Lord, because he sees everything. He saw that time that you were exhausted, and a friend called, and you're like, "Ah, I know that this person needs to talk but I'm exhausted and I would much rather just go to bed. But you chose to kind of take that phone call. Those are the things that it's easy to feel like, did it really matter? Did anyone really notice that I did that? And you have to understand God sees it all. Now, I want to be cautious because it's really easy to get stuck on this idea of God's going to reward me. And I've I've even known people that have gotten really obsessed with like, I wonder how many mansions I'm going to get in heaven. And I'll caution you to not go that route, not, not to go there where you feel like you're like trying to stockpile and you're like, man, I, I did that. And so, man, that's at least one more mansion for me in heaven. That's a dangerous place to get to when you're trying to figure out the reward and you're trying to almost work the system to get as much as you can. That shouldn't be your heart. The heart should just truly be to know that God is watching and, and there is going to be a reward there. And the last thing I want to I wanna hit on today is you understand who you're working for. You understand who's giving you a reward. And then you have to understand that it is fair. We read in Colossians this, this phrase that, that I love, and it means so much to me. It says, there is no favoritism. That's one of my favorite things about the kingdom of God is that there's no favoritism. And it's so opposite of the world we live in, isn't it? It feels like no matter what you do, someone's being shown favoritism. It's, it's, never, it's never really fair. And so to understand that in the kingdom of God, he's like, look, I see, I watch. There's no favoritism. It is all fair. At the end of the day, it's fair and it's right. And I love that about serving in the kingdom of God. The number of times a day that I say, I'm glad that I don't need to decide who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. My goodness, thank you, Lord, that you decide that. Because everything you do is right. And I cannot say that about myself. And that's what we talked about last week, this idea that we're all equal. All in Christ have the same value There's no favoritism. And I say this because I know it sounds like a no-brainer, but this is so different than all the rest of our life that it's like we kind of forget this about God sometimes, that to God there is no favoritism. It is all righteous. It is all fair. In fact, when I was growing up, I remember, because I'm the youngest, I would always go to my parents and say, that's not fair, right? Any of you guys ever do that, your parents? That's not fair. And how did they respond? Life's not fair. That's what I got my whole life. I'd be like, that's not fair. Life's not fair. And I understand the thought is, is the life that we live right now, 
isn't fair. There is favoritism. There, there are situations where you go, that's not right. And there are going to be times where you work hard and you honor God, and it is looked past, and it's not going to be fair. But I, I would actually say I don't really like the phrase, life's not fair. I'll say it's not fair yet. Because that's the beauty of the kingdom of God is that one day it's all going to be fair. And that's what the Bible says. He's going to make all things right. So when it comes to the reward and, and how God deals with how we've lived our life, I can't give you the details other than I know it's going to be right. And for me, at least, that's enough to know that however God decides is, is right. Because that is who he is. But if we look at James chapter 1, it's so interesting. This, these are verses 9 and 10. And I want you to read this. It says, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. It's this idea that on earth we always tend to think that some people just have it good and some people have it bad. But, but the scripture really tells us that's not the whole story. This life is truly just a fleeting vapor. And that in the grand scheme of things, at the end, everything is going to be right. Everything is going to be fair. In fact, even the church, and I think most of you guys would agree, sometimes the church is not the best at not showing favoritism. So James, in that same chapter, had to yell at the church because what they were doing is if a regular person would come in, they would be like, ah, sure, whatever. But if a rich person came in, they would give them the royal treatment and they would, they would put out the red carpet for them. And James is like, no, that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, there is no favoritism. Look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4. I love this. This is talking about God. He is the rock. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. So if you believe that about God, and you believe that he sees everything, and you believe that he's the one that you're working for, it starts to get a lot easier to live your life in a way that honors him. Because I'll just say right now, when this life is over and you're standing face to face with God, you're not going to have any complaints against him. As much as you might think that you will, as much as you're like, have questions, God, why? Why did this happen? And that's okay. It's okay to have those questions. But if you think that you're going to be able to bring a case against God and have him be like, my bad, you know, it's not going to happen. The, the one person who probably had the best shot at that was Job. You guys know the story of Job. He lost everything. He lost his family. He lost his wealth. He lost his health. Everything he lost. And in this book, when you read it, he says that. He says, God, come down and let me file my complaint against you which I would encourage you, don't ever have that prayer with God because it doesn't go good. And basically, God comes down and says, okay, let's do this, and says the equivalent of, okay, you better pull your pants up because we're going to do this now. 
And God reveals to Job the bigger picture of who he is and his plan. And you know what Job says at the end of all that? I spoke of things I don't understand, things too wonderful for me. See, that's going to be all of us. Even in those, even in those situations that are, uh, they feel so unfair. Why did this happen to me? I worked so hard. I did everything right. Things didn't work out for me. To understand that at the end, when, we, when we're revealed the big picture, we're going to have no complaints. And we're going to say, God, you're good. And that is such a comforting situation to be in. And that's why we have to be so careful to not get in that mindset of, of the victim of, I worked hard, and, and what's happening to me isn't fair. Because in the kingdom of God, that's never going to be the reality. It might not be fair yet. You might still be in the midst of waiting to see the big picture. But at the end of all of it, it's going to be right, and it's going to be fair. I think of the story of the prodigal son mostly because that's kind of my favorite Bible verse. It's, it's what I'm always drawn to. It's my story. And most of you know the, the main story of the young son who took his inheritance, wasted it, ran away from his father who was good to him, found himself stuck in the mud, sitting there, having to remember that even though I'm starving to death, I have a father that's good, and I'm going to return to my father, and maybe he'll have mercy on me. And you guys know the story. As he walks to his father, he, his father sees him a far way off and runs to him and throws a robe over him and, and slaughters the fattened calf. We're in farm country. You guys know what that is, right? That's a good meal. That's a really good meal. That's a celebration, and they celebrate. My son, which I thought was dead, is back with me. But we don't talk a lot about the older brother, who it's really easy for us to be the older brother. This is what the older brother says in Luke chapter 15, verse 29. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Can you imagine having your young brother who you thought was dead return home and be grumpy and bitter about it because that's not fair. I worked hard. I need to get the results that I deserve. This is what's so important about knowing who we work for, how the rewards work, and that they're going to be fair. It saves us from getting into these mindsets that are poison. They're poisonous mindsets of this idea of I worked hard, I'm not getting the results I want. This life is a vapor, and you might not see it in this life. But part of being in the kingdom of God is knowing that it's really not about this life. And that everything we do, God sees, and he's going to make it all right. It's always going to be fair. It's always going to be good. At the end of this whole story, at the end of your story, you're going to say, God, this was good. And so for us, let me, let me just tie a bow on this whole thing. If you're wondering, how do I honor God with my life? How do I really, wherever I'm at, whatever place in God's design, whatever assignment I've been given, how do I honor God with that? Or even better, how do I work with all my heart? Because that's how you honor God. You work with all your heart. I'll say this. Number one, know who you're working for. Don't, don't get it mixed that you're working for human masters. Because even those masters, God is their master, right? So like, you have a supervi supervisor above that supervisor. That's ultimately who you're working for. 
And you have to start there, knowing that everything you do, even the little things, even the things you think don't matter, you're doing that for God. Number two, know who's giving you a reward. Know that the earthly masters, they're, they're probably not going to reward you the way that they should. It's probably not going to be fair, but that brings us to our last point. If you're working for God, and if you're getting your reward from him, it's always going to be right and fair. Maybe not right now. Maybe not in the moment. But at the end of the story, you're going to say, God, you're, you're fair. You're just. You're good. In fact, you're merciful, not just fair. And so if you can get your head wrapped around those things, I think you're going to find yourself honoring God with how you live your life, which we talked about last week. That's really success. As a, as a believer, if you go, what, what is a successful life for me? I would say if your life, at the end of your life, people said and God said, that person honored me with their life, that's success. How do you do better than that? as a Christian, than to say, my life honored God. And so ultimately, this is a good place to start, if you're wanting to know that. So if you guys want to stand, I want to pray with you this morning. Lord, I thank you that we get to work for you. Lord, I thank you that we are not captive to working for earthly masters. That, Lord, even though you will put people over us in this life, and you will give us bosses and authority, that ultimately you are the one we are working for. Even when, even when our earthly bosses and authority let us down, even when they're not fair, Lord, even, even when things don't work out the way that we want them to, we know that we are still honoring you with how we live our life, Lord. Thank you that you're going to make all this right. You're going to make it all good, Lord God. At the end of our story, we are going to say, what a good God, what a merciful God. Even if we can't see it right now, even if it still feels unfair right now, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you. I thank you that you, because of what you did on the cross, Give us even the opportunity to honor you with how we live our life. We love you, Lord. And I pray that this, this very week, not only do you protect everybody here, not only do you, do you give them the opportunity to further your kingdom and honor you, but Lord, I pray that you give them the opportunity to love each other deeply the way that you called us to, Lord God, and that you bring everybody back here encouraged and full of love next week. We pray this in your name. Amen.